Okay, you ready? You can hear me okay? Great, we're on? Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. I'm Peter Little, lead pastor at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. We're cultivating a community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. And you're listening to our Sunday Sermons podcast. To learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Thanks for listening. I miss you all. I'm here in the worship hall at Christ Pacific, and there's nobody else here. And it doesn't seem right. I miss seeing you all. I miss being able to engage in real time, in real life, in the real presence of one another. And I'm really looking forward to when we can be together again to worship together and to meet together and to fellowship together. So um, let's keep praying that God would do what only he can do, which is bring healing and wholeness through um, even in the midst of and in spite of the pandemic we're experiencing today. Friends, you just heard from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Marissa read those verses for us, and I'm going to focus on just two of those verses. And even in two of those verses, I'm going to focus in on one phrase. The couple of verses that I want to focus in on are Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. And uh, I've got them mostly written here behind me. And this is the story that I want to unpack this morning. It begins actually in verse 1, where the Apostle Paul says, You were dead. It doesn't start out very well. I promise it'll get better. You were dead in the trespasses and the sins in which you once lived. You were dead. And then he says a bit more about that, and we skip down to verse 4, and the Apostle Paul says, but God, this is one of my favorite phrases in all of Scripture, but God, this makes all the difference in the world, but, listen, you are dead, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he has loved us, though we were dead in our trespasses, it's true, we were dead. Nevertheless, God made us alive together with Christ. Oh, God made us alive together with Christ. And I want to focus in on the red text here. God made us alive together with Christ. What I want to do is uh, I want to draw a couple of pictures that, uh, first of all, won't be very good. But secondly, might help illustrate what's going on here. So to begin with, the beginning of the story is that we were dead. So this is my attempt at a kind of dead, dying uh, flower, if you will. Doesn't look very good. And this is how the story begins. This is how the plot line runs. To begin with, you were dead. Dead in the sin and trespasses in which we once lived. Like this plant, drooped over, lifeless, and in a bad way. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God, 
who is rich in mercy. So I'm going to draw a picture of God here, and um, this isn't a very accurate depiction of God, but I think it will do for today. But God, so you just got to be a big circle uh, for us today. But God, who is rich in mercy. In other words, God is filled to the full with mercy. So God is rich in mercy. He's full of mercy. That's what we're told in verse 5. That God who is rich in mercy. That word mercy really just means when we don't give someone what they deserve. That's what mercy means. So when we say, you know, I have mercy on me, what we're saying is don't give me what I deserve. Don't give me the penalty that my infraction deserves. And God is rich in this sort of mercy, this kind of mercy where he doesn't give what we deserve. Thanks be to God. So God, who is rich in mercy, and then we're told, out of the great love with which he has for us, out of this great love, and that preposition out of is a word that literally means, well, you guessed it, out of. So this great love comes out of who God is. I told you the pictures weren't going to be very good. So this great love comes out of God. It bubbles up and out of his rich mercies, the very character of who he is. The text says that out of this great love that he has for us, even though we were dead through our trespasses and sin, even though it's true that we were dead, and that the penalty we deserved for our infractions was actually death. Though that's true, out of this great love that comes out of God's rich mercies, he has made us alive together with Christ. He has made us alive together with Christ. How does he do that? What does this great love look like? What is the great love that comes out of God in his rich mercies? Well, John's gospel in chapter 15 is very clear about what this love looks like. In fact, Jesus himself says, Greater love has none than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And that's the great love that God expresses and demonstrates towards us. That Jesus laid down his life for his friends, for you and for me. That's what that great love looks like. So out of this great love, he has made us alive together in Christ. So here's my final illustration. I promise it won't be very good. This is my attempt again at a flower, but this time the flower is healthy. Right? The leaves are looking up. Oh, and it's also deeply rooted. So, because of God's rich mercies, out of the great sacrificial love which he demonstrated to us on the cross, he has moved us from death to life. 
That is what's going on in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And what I want to do now is just focus on a few words here in the red text. A few words here. And the first word is this word, made. God made us alive. Notice that it does not say, God is making us alive. He doesn't say that. God has made us us alive. It's already happened. In other words, all the work required to make us alive has already been done. This is why Jesus, on Good Friday, the day when he died on the cross and breathed his last breath, he said, it is finished. What's finished? All the work necessary to make us alive. It's finished. It's done. God, in Jesus Christ, has made us alive. The second word I want us to look at is this word, us. Us. God hasn't just made me alive. He hasn't just made you alive. He has made us alive. You see, aliveness in Jesus is always a community thing. It's always a relational thing. Because the aliveness that Jesus intends for us is an aliveness in the context of fellowship, in the context of relationship. We were built, wired for relationship. In the very beginning, the Genesis creation account makes it very clear that everything was wonderful. It was paradise after all. The Garden of Eden, I, I think it's a picture of all of creation. It was like a garden. Everything was like paradise and and the first man, Adam, that, that Hebrew word that just means man, this man was in a perfect relationship with God, with the living God. I mean, there was nothing wrong, and yet God looked at paradise and looked at Adam, this first man, and he said, it is not good that man should be alone. And you know, a lot of times this text is used in wedding ceremonies, and rightfully so. It's a wonderful picture of how God gives the gift of marriage relationship to us. Because, as you know, as the story unfolds, God says it is not good for man to be alone, and so he creates a woman. And when the man sees the woman, he breaks into kind of a poem, and, and he says, finally, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. And it is appropriate to see the beauty of the gift of marriage in these verses. But it is not limited to marriage. This account of creation in Genesis 2 is not only an account of marriage, it's an account of what it means to be human. You and I were created to be in relationship with people. That even Adam, with a perfect relationship with God in paradise... It wasn't good because he had no human relationships. You and I were built for relationships with one another. Sometimes today we talk about or we hear talked about um, everything is good. It's uh, me and Jesus and my coffee. Right? I got me and Jesus and my cup of coffee. Everything is good. I don't need anybody else. That kind of vision of what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus 
is not a product of the scriptures. It's not a biblical vision of aliveness with Jesus. That's rather a product of, I think, 20th century Western culture's individualism. It's all about me and my personal pursuits and this pursuit with Jesus and my cup of coffee. But a biblical vision of aliveness is always about us being alive together in Christ, that we are bound up in and with one another in the context of community. That's why at Christ Pacific, our whole mission and vision is to cultivate a vibrant community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. We're not simply cultivating faith, hope, and love in individuals who then as individuals go and live their individual lives. No, that's not the vision that we have because that's not the vision of the scriptures for what it means to be alive in Jesus Christ. It's almost always the plural pronoun that the Apostle Paul uses, us. He has made us alive together in Christ because we were built for relationship. And then the last words that I want to highlight are together with. Together with. We have been made alive together with Christ. Imagine that you were engaged to be married, and you were looking forward to your wedding. Your wedding day was a couple months out, and you were working really hard to make all the preparations. You've got the photographer in place, and you've got the cake ordered, and maybe you're going to cater a meal, and so you've got all those arrangements, and the venue, and the dresses, and the suits, and all that. You're doing all this work for all of these preparations, for this wonderful, wonderful celebration uh, that we call a wedding. And you're looking forward to that day, and the day comes, and you have this magnificent celebration. It's a huge party with all your friends and your family, and you get to enjoy all of the festivities. But then, you simply go back to living your life as you did before you were married. Of course, this is craziness. This is silliness. No one would ever do that. But sometimes we approach our relationship with Jesus kind of like that. That we look forward to saying yes to Jesus and, and that we do say yes to him. And maybe we, we even get baptized and we celebrate that we have been made alive together with him. And there's a big rejoicing and celebration. But then we just go back to life as usual, as if the wedding never took place. But of course, this would be crazy because the real gift is actually what takes place after the wedding, the months and years after the wedding, when you get to share life together and share intimacy and relationship and adventure and joy and struggle together. It's that togetherness in that adventure of life that is the real joy of marriage, which is why it's so important to, yes, prepare for a wedding day, but even more important, prepare for a lifetime of marriage together. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that we have been made alive together with Christ, that we've been given a life of togetherness and withness in Jesus. 
That this is not simply a transaction that takes place, that we, you know, pass, go, and uh, collect $200. Or, you know, we, um, we filled out the marriage license and we mailed it in to the county of Orange. We're now technically and legally married, but then we are just going to continue to live our lives individually as though we were not married. That doesn't make any sense. We would never do that. And that doesn't make any biblical sense for a life with Jesus. Rather, the vision is for a shared life together. This marriage analogy is pretty appropriate because it's often used in the New Testament to talk about the relationship between Jesus and the church. Sometimes the church is called the bride of Christ, and Jesus is the bridegroom. I remember the day that I engaged, uh, that I asked Krista to marry me and that we, uh, when we were engaged. And I had made all of the preparations and I would secured a sailboat and made plans on Angel Island in the San Francisco area and packed a, a picnic kind of lunch and I had written out these proposal, uh, this big proposal to her because I didn't want to mess it up. I'd made arrangements for dinner on the beach afterwards and for our car to be dropped off in a different location. I did all the work and, and made all the preparations. And, and I asked the question. I was the one who got down on a knee and I was the one who said, Krista, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I did it all. I did all the work. All she had to do was say yes. And that's the vision here when the New Testament talks about Jesus as the bridegroom and the church as the bride, that Jesus has done all the work. He is the one who's popped the question, so to speak. He is the one who has gotten down on a knee and who has said to you and me, I would like to spend the rest of your life together. I would like to live together with you on this adventure of faith and of life. And I would like to do that in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, and not even death would do us part because I have taken care of death on the cross when I declared it is finished. That's the vision, Jesus down on a knee, inviting you into a life with him, not simply a not simply a wedding day celebration, but a life of togetherness. And he's made all the preparations. He's done it all. All we have to do is say yes. Yes, I will. Yes, I do want to spend my life with you. And that's the invitation for us this morning. And friends, I don't think there's any better day to say yes to Jesus than on an Easter Sunday. So I invite you to consider the invitation, an invitation that comes out of the rich mercies and the great love of God, an invitation which moves us from death to the fullness of life, together with Jesus Christ. Would you say yes to him today? Let's pray together. Gracious and living God, thank you for your rich mercies and your great love. Thank you that you have invited us in 
that you have put the offer on the table, so to speak, that you have made all the preparations, done all the work to make us alive together with you. Thank you, Jesus. And I invite you to say yes to Jesus in your own words, and I'm going to give you a moment of silence in which you can do that. Maybe you're not quite sure what words to use, so consider using these. Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm infinitely valuable to you because you created me. Jesus, I also acknowledge that sin lives in me in a way that draws me to a self-centered life rather than a Christ-centered life. So Jesus, I give my old self-centered life to you so that you might nail it to the cross that it might die with you and I receive this new life this resurrection life marked by faith in you and centered on you I receive that new life from you thank you Jesus for it's in your name that we pray amen Friends, if you have said yes to Jesus for the first time, I want to invite you to tell somebody about it. Remember that this aliveness in Jesus Christ is an aliveness that has been given to us in community. And that though faith in Jesus is very personal, it was never meant to be private. And so I invite you to tell somebody about your decision today. We would love to know about it. Would you tell us about it? You can do that by emailing us at prayer at cpchb.org prayer at cpchb.org you can also um, from the web page that you downloaded this video from you can see right there there's a little yellow button and it says request prayer that goes to the same place click on that button tell us about your decision today and we will follow up with you we would love to join you in this adventure of faith that you have begun Go today with this blessing from Ephesians chapter 3. May it be so that according to the riches of God's glory and grace and mercy, may it be that he would grant that you would be strengthened in your inner being by the power of his spirit, and that Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith, that you might be grounded and rooted in his love. And may you have the power to comprehend, along with all of the saints across the globe who today have been worshiping and celebrating the resurrected Jesus. May you have power together with all of those saints across the globe and throughout history to comprehend how unbelievably good and high and wide and deep and abounding is the love of Jesus Christ. And having comprehended that, may you be filled with all the fullness of God. Friends, happy Easter.
Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at cpc.com.